The following program contains discussion of content some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are finishing our adventures in Elm Street as we watch Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Wasn't that a song from Wayne's World? Yeah, yeah. I think it went, Dream Warriors. I'm glad you took that bullet for me. Yeah, yeah. Tia Carrera. She's she's gonna sing all about this. Yes. No. This is the the third in our trilogy. We have watched the first three, or are about to have finished watching the first three Elm Street movies. And joining me for the third time as our guest who has not seen any of these films. It is Andrew Dawson. Yay! Nightmare on Elm Street 3. It is the third film that we're going to be watching. Funnily enough, that's how numbers work. Um, Are you looking forward to it, Dawson? I am. I am looking forward to this one more... I was going to say a lot more than two, but I was genuinely looking forward to two because of the shade everyone was throwing it. <laughs> so mm. I was very intrigued as to why there was so much shade. Now mm. I kind of understand. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, with a name like Dream Warriors, I, I feel like we're in for a good time. Mm. And um, you, you I, I normally I would be asking, um, you know, what are you going to expect from this? But you've seen two of these films now. I kind of feel like you know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, look, the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that I, I, I am expecting... And I, I don't mind if it if it's true or not. I feel like with a name like Dream Warriors, because it's plural, I feel like it could be a story of like a group of the kids coming together mm. to fight Freddy. Mm. I feel like that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from like it. Like a Stranger Things season four kind of yeah. thing. Because like Dream Warriors, otherwise it'd be like Dream Warrior, mm. uh, singular, but because it's plural, I feel like that's the kind yeah. of... And that's what I'm hoping for. I feel like that'd be really cool. A group of them just like, yeah, screw you, Freddy. Pow, pow. Let's get him. Well, uh, luckily, we do have someone who has seen the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back to the program, Simon Haynes. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, how are you, Simon? Uh, I'm breathing in and out, so uh, that's still good, I guess. That's all I require from my guests. Yep, it's amazing. I have vocal cords, so I can record a pod. Yes. Um, Dream Warriors. Yes. This, this is um, obviously our, our end of the trilogy, even though there are more yeah. films in this franchise. I, it, without spoiling anything, um, what, what's Dream Warriors about? Um, well, this is not going to be really spoilery. Um, it is actually more a direct sequel to the first one. Okay. So that's going to say it actually brings back the character of Nancy. And she's a lot, you know, she's an adult now. So. That's as much non-spoiling as I can get, because, like, realistically speaking, the movie kind of you do kind of get that vibe when you say Dream Warriors, so there's a lot more as a like an ensemble cast. Um, without trying to hype it up too much, uh, I it is commonly uh, considered, it, hype it. <laughs> and I personally believe it, it's the best one of the entire series. Oh, cool. genuinely, it is the best one. Um, best in terms of like a storyline, plot. Um, they basically took what was good about the first one and really just kind of refined it a bit more. After this is more when things start to drop off in the series until mm. you get to like when it starts getting utterly silly by I think 
movie five or six. Mm. So, um, yeah, you, you're. I don't because I've not heard the other episodes. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be in for a treat or not uh, compared to what the other ones were. <laughs> um, but honestly, this is legitimately a good film. I, I feel like that's the general consensus that we've got from from they're the fun. last two as well. They're, is they're always fun. They're, they're like the, it was number one and number three were good. Number two, yeah. number two is a bit more of an acquired taste. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more of a. There's been a lot more of a um, revisionist look at uh, two uh, mm. in recent years, especially. Uh, instead we're talking uh, pre- before we came in uh, about like uh, the queer coding the themes and stuff like that mm. and people are now more noticing that so it's getting a lot more of a, an appreciation as opposed to yeah. just, it's just an uninspired sequel and, and that was a big part of our discussions last week was about um, the fact that yeah number two has got this this relook as like a piece of queer cinema I'm assuming three uh, sort of abandons that because obviously it's a different yeah, creative no, team and yeah. it, it sort of goes, not, not, not abandons it in the sense of, ooh, gross, and gets no, no, it, it, more it of is, a... <laughs> because it is more a direct sequel to yeah. the first one and uh, it's more about Nancy's journey and she is the character in the movie that has experience. So mm. you're getting to see this interesting uh, revisit, revisiting of it. So it's like Terminator 2 with... Uh, yeah. With, um, ironically, ironically enough... Because you're not talking about, it and hmm. unless you really, really want to get through to uh, four more movies, um, when Wes Craven did New Nightmare, he kind of did the same thing. This is, which is almost like a proto. We're getting too off topic, I know, but it was almost like a proto scream. This whole idea of looking at the um, the horror movie as an outsider and as a meta commentary. So he brings back Nancy, but oh, she said those the actress who played Nancy to play herself, acknowledging that she played Nancy. And it gets really meta. But that's like the last movie before. Oh, the for New Nightmare. Uh, yeah, yeah, New Nightmare. Which which number is that? That's like seven. Uh, seven. Oh, jeez. Before yeah. the reboot. Yeah. Okay. So it actually goes way darker, but it's a lot more meta. It's I call it pre-screen because it's like it does a lot of that screen meta commentary. But either way, we're talking about three. Yes, we are talking about three. Um, and this is and for this one because I think you mentioned it one of you just then. Mm. This is the one where the original team came back. Wes Craven... After... This, this is the one Wes Craven returned to work yep. on. He didn't direct it because he was no. directing another another film at the same I think time. he wrote it, didn't he? He did write it, yeah. yes. So he, he basically saw what they did to his beautiful boy. <laughs> you butchered my beautiful boy, he basically <laughs> said after the second one and went, right, I'm gonna, if we're going to do more of these because New Line Cinema were like, these are making money. We're going to keep making them. Yeah, because he, he, he didn't want to, right? He didn't want to. No, he, he saw he, two. He, yeah, and then he saw two and he went... <laughs> Well, if it's going to happen, it better happen at least somewhat along how I would like it to happen. Yeah. Non-spoiler <laughs> for the rest of the series, like pretty much most of them are not really direct sequels. Where this one is recur- rec- returning characters and okay. continuing hmm. storylines, and yeah, yeah. All right. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors? Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. <laughs> I don't know why it needs an echo, but it does. No, as long as you promise to do it every single time now. <laughs> All right, you asked for it. <laughs> okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare for prime time, bitch, as we watch Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. And I'm joined once again by my special guest, Simon Haynes. Hello. And Andrew Dawson. Hello. Dawson, Dawson, Dawson. 
Oh. Uh, how, how, Dawson, it was your, your first time watching uh, Dream Warriors. What did you think? Uh, I was going to say, if you started on any subject or anywhere else first, mm. I was going to jump in and be like, before we start and say anything, mm. can I just say that was a really good film? Yep. Yeah. It is... As I was saying, it's pretty much the best, regarded as the best one of the entire series. Yeah, like yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm still trying to compare it to the, to the first one. Obviously, yeah. better than two mm-hmm. by far. Like yeah. I think I said within the first two scenes of a film, we're looking at each other, being like, yeah, yeah. "This is this is objectively far better than yeah. the original." Yeah, and and look, there there are a lot of fans of that second film for mm. for various reasons. It's the, the second film's still pretty good. Like for for like a for a slasher horror sort of eighties film, these are very enjoyable. I even said last week these are not traditionally films that I enjoy. You know, I, Halloween was well made, but it's not the type of thing that I really like. Um, you know, I'm not big on Jason Voorhees or all of these different ones. Yeah, I have really enjoyed all three of these films. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they're all in like the top end of they are this, all this fun. genre. Yeah, they are all fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Simon, when did you last watch Dream Warriors? Uh, it's definitely been about a decade or so ago. Mm. I want to say anywhere between 10 to 15 years ago. So it's one of those things where as I was watching going, oh, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive this is this death scene. I'm positive. And as soon as I saw like the, the clues, I was like, oh yeah, this one, this one, yes. Yeah, as soon as you, like, as soon as you see the TV on the wall. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is the poltergeist <laughs> one. That was a great, that oh, is like, yeah. So many good moments. Yeah, and and it, it does feel as though this film just went, oh, let's really have a bit of fun. I do feel mm. like the fun element was missing from the second one and wasn't wasn't mm. as present even in the first one. Mm-hmm. He's a charismatic villain, you know, with, with all of his quips and one-liners, but mm. this one felt like yeah. they really understood what Freddy they needed leaned, to be. They lent into the humour yeah. a lot more. And and like I was saying, the, just the different ways of killing people. Like, yeah. it wasn't mm. just slashy slash kill. Yeah. Like, there were... The guy who's infamous for having knives for hands doesn't do a lot of killing with knives for hands. Mm. Yeah. And he uses the dream, like, things not being real. He and... uses their nightmares against them very effectively. Yeah. Efficiently, I should mm. say. Effectively uh, in this movie, yeah. Like, like that TV scene, the TV yeah. That was bloody great. And yeah. seeing God... Esque Freddy Krueger with the puppet strings. Yes, yeah. it's just it's just great. Yeah. Really good imaginative stuff mm. that again you couldn't do in real life, but because it's a dreamscape, yeah, bloody yeah. anything's possible in real. Mm. Yeah. Um, the story of this film, as you've probably picked up from our previous two episodes, um, there's a nasty old ghost called Freddy Krueger, <laughs> and he likes murdering children specifically. I don't think he's technically a ghost. He's pretty much more like a dream spirit. Yeah, dream spirit, goblin, a lost yeah. soul, yeah. maybe. Let's put it that way. No, no that's, put, that's too nice. Okay. Damned, <laughs> damned soul. Okay. A very, very lost soul. <laughs> okay, that's better. <laughs> um, but yes, we have uh, uh, Kristen, this young girl who's been staying up late doing arts and craft. Um, and she goes to bed and then has uh, a nightmare with Freddy, thinks that she wakes up or maybe... Not on Elm Street. Not on Elm no. Street, no. Um, but in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> wakes up and then has another Freddy encounter in the bathroom where the, mm. the tap turns into his claws. Yeah, so good. Uh, the, the encounter leaves her injured with a cut on her wrist, which her mum thinks is a suicide, suicide attempt. attempt yeah. um, and so, yes, she is uh, taken to... Just a really terrible psychiatric ward. Uh, there's no yeah. other word for it. And uh, look, obviously, um, it almost feels that you kind of have to go, that was the style at the time for psychiatric health, or that was almost the media expectation. That was the, the um, stereotype. Yeah, the stereotype. You know, we, we'd had things like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest had mm. been 
10 yeah. plus years um, out at that point. Yeah, they even have a padded cell scene. Yeah, and all like, sorts. yeah there is this sort of um, depiction of mental health institutions as being terrible places, maybe because they weren't super great in, in the late 20th century. I've heard some stories about you all. And earlier. Yes. That was, at that time, probably a good version of mental health compared to what they used to do. Yeah. Which is just lock them up. And so, and so that is like an important thing to go into um, this episode with uh, mm. is is the fact that there are discussions of suicide, and there's a lot of, quite frankly, very just crass uh, discussions of um, of of mental health and suicide mm. from the the health practitioners. And yeah, I and mm. I use the term crass in terms of uh, it's quite blunt and yeah. quite dismissive. You know, they use they use they, they say things like, "Oh, this character, this person killed themselves," and saying like. You know, they let everyone down. By yeah, yeah, themselves. that was rough. Yeah, I, um, so probably the listeners don't know. I, uh, I am not a mental health professional myself, mm-hmm. I, but I do work at a mental health clinic, mm. and so I have been studying, uh, particularly my mental health issues. And it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, this era, like you go back to like even like things like uh, Exorcist and all those other things, mm. and you go and like, wow, this is you just. Do not say that stuff now. Like, yeah, literally, absolutely not. That is horrific. Mm. Yeah, it's it's the scariest thing in the film. Yeah, <laughs> if anything, the more the villain is um, the head uh, doctor nurse, Do- Doctor Ellis. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like it, uh, she's like it's all in their heads. It's like you're yeah. technically correct. However, <laughs> yeah, but no, there is a big bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I think they called him him a coward as well as yeah. letting everyone down. Like, yeah. not, not good language to use around no, that kind of thing. It was not yeah, good at all. But I I also think that the film is very deliberately setting up the the institution as being mm. at best unfamiliar with a dream goblin kind of situation, yeah. <laughs> but more likely they're setting up as look, they're not good at this. They're not good mm-hmm. at dealing with these things. And what I like is you have characters like um, this actor called Larry Fishburne. Yeah, uh, he's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, we're not going to see him in films with pills again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but like, he, he's like the head orderly. And he yeah. is depicted as being like quite a reasonable character. Yeah. And a character that genuinely does actually have care for his patients and yeah. for these these young people. Um, as compared to Dr. Ellis, who I still don't think is like an evil character. No, no, no. But she is an antagonist because she is part she... of this system which is not working for these patients but can't see that it's the wrong way to treat things. Well, it's and... more the fact that she just believes that it's... Because she doesn't have the uh, mm. knowledge or the experiences they do. So she's dismissing it because mm. she's like, no, they're clearly delusional yeah. and they don't but, know what they're talking about. And, but they see this real threat and they're scared to death and she's still kind of like mm. dismissive. Mm. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like another reason why it is they're bad at, bad at their jobs kind of thing is because they are just trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Mm. Because they know that he couldn't get out on the balcony because all the doors were locked to jump. Yeah. Like, mm. There are all these things that don't make sense so they're trying to like, oh yeah, they killed themselves. Like that's yeah. the yeah. only explainable thing that we can yeah. think of. Yeah, they were a sleepwalker as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. This character, um, what was his name? Was it Philip? I can't remember. I've, I've got it jotted so, yeah. down somewhere. Yeah, sure. Why not? Philip. Yeah, it was <laughs> Philip. Philip. Philip the Sleepwalker. Yeah. Um, so he and also the puppet maker. Yeah, and the puppet maker. Like he, he was set up as being like there is a plausible 
reason for this happening from mm. someone who is not exposed to the fact there is a ghost with knives for hands uh, that's <laughs> going around and killing people. Um, but 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 also at the same time, I think it's interesting because Dr. Ellis offers this um, point of con. Sorry, Dr. Sims. I don't know why I keep calling her Dr. Ellis. Oh. It was Dr. Sims. Um, the the counterpoint to Dr. Neil, mm-hmm. um, who has doubts certainly to begin with, but because of his connection with Nancy um, and actually engaging with the kids a bit more on a personal level as opposed to being quite clinical. He, he, he basically st- has the archetype of the unbeliever yeah. who becomes a believer. They literally make that part of the overt text with yeah. the um, Catholicism angle with the yeah. nun and the uh, the the um holy holy water and yeah the, that, we'll get the, to that later, yeah yeah um, it, 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 i do think it's really interestingly set up hmm. but you know th- there's a reason that the start of this episode has a trigger warning on it because yeah. there are discussions about mental health stuff that is not done in a particularly good way in the film mm-hmm. and yeah. we you know when addressing that have to talk about it in the language that the film uses yeah and then address why that is like either has dated poorly or was never good to begin with yeah um but but the fact is is yeah the 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 angle of looking at the fact that there are multiple children who are being affected by freddie and the idea of exploring the psychiatric ward Mm. is really interesting because in the first film when nancy is going through her her issues her mum actually takes her to the psych ward Hmm. and she has the the sleep study therapy where um then you know we see freddy's she pulls the hat from the dream yes and that was a really cool for me i thought that was a really cool part of that film where they actually explored something like that and so if you've got multiple kids having this situation it makes sense Hmm. that a bunch of them would be in long-term psychiatric care and so having that as the setting i thought was really interesting and also then made for some fun Freddy mischief that I came later. I they've never really re- went back to that. Like, mm. um, that's the whole... We, we were kind of making a gag of dream warriors because there's a bunch of them. Warriors, warriors, warriors. Thank you. I missed that one. Yeah. That's my bad. I'm sorry. i got to pick up my game. Yeah. Um, no, but it is, it is good that this is an ensemble cast. Mm. And for an 80s cast, you have a black character who doesn't... Actually, none of the black characters die. Mm. Again, wow. I mean, I, um, I made a joke about that as well, about them being like, oh, let's go do it. And he's like, oh, well, I know I'm going to be the first that, one to die. That, so. I, I can't remember which movie it is, but there's been movies where, like, you know, if they're doing parody, I think it's like, a, no, it, what was um, um scary, scary movie? movie yeah. Where they do it, like, you know, like, you know, I am the first one to get killed kind of thing. They, mm. they, they make, because that is a thing that, that's a trope that happens. Mm. But, but just but, the old idea. But not in like, this film. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a very diverse, uh, well, at least uh, gender and ethnicity to a mm. degree. And also disabilities. Yeah, I was going to say, the guy in the wheelchair. Mm. And I really enjoy that they don't, because like I said during the film as well, I find people do this a lot now where if they have any kind of diversity, a lot of films are like, look at us. We have a person in a wheelchair. Look mm. how good we're doing. Yeah. But in here, they're like, it's the... Good old, like, oh no, he's just in a wheelchair hmm. and he's just part, part of the cast, regular yeah. dude. It also serves like a, it's not like a tokenization. Like exactly. It's tied into hmm. his uh, nightmares and yeah. his ability. And same with the, the mute character. When he finally has a chance to literally speak, it's hmm. very effective. Yeah. And also, it, it does that thing of, you know, which films get criticized for um, a lot of casting actors who are able bodied in these yeah. roles, hmm. but the film requires. Uh, will to be able to stand up and move around yeah. and requires Joey to be able to speak. So that's yeah. why they have not hired a mute actor or a, yeah. uh, an actor that requires a wheelchair. Um, but yeah, it's it's used quite effectively. And I think there is certainly a 
an awareness of the fact that there are people with lots of different types of problems and nobody is vilified for those problems. Yeah. Uh, Taryn is a, is a recovering drug addict. Yeah. Um, and she is never vilified for being a, oh. a drug addict or for that. And is actually shown to be a really, um, cool and interesting character. But mm. then we also see, you know, Freddie, and that's why Freddie is the bad guy because, yeah. you know, he uses people's insecurities and nightmares against them. Mm. And, as fun and charismatic as Freddy is as a villain, because the, the, he's enjoyable because he isn't real. He is mm. a boogeyman. He's a there cartoon. Is, yeah, there is some fun. He's Bugs Bunny. He's we said fun. that in the first <laughs> yeah. one. He's Bugs Bunny with with a murder yeah. penchant. And <laughs> yeah, he's. Is that uh, technically why Coyote? Um, <laughs> no, because Freddy succeeds. That's <laughs> the... <laughs> Fair call. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's as 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 fun as it is to have this sort of character he mm. is the villain mm. um you know he 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 we are meant to be rooting against him even though he he's quite fun and you know mm. like never will anybody kill anyone in a cooler way than ramming that head into the tv but and saying yeah, welcome so to primetime bitch having just killed jaja gabor like yeah. that's <laughs> it was really really fun and silly and enjoyable but yeah. at the same time they do a good job of going uh, He's uh, a and, child murderer. And let's not forget spoilers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, when uh, when when old father Officer Thompson got uh, killed on the end of the car, I did turn to the others and go, oh, he dies. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave Stephen the dirtiest look ever because I enjoyed that joke far too much. <laughs> he, he... I was trying to come up with something else, but you, you, you just... <laughs> killed me with that like, no no i can't yeah. top that well i did win some awards for puns uh, about three weeks ago so I'm, yeah i'm on a high <laughs> still still ride that high still baby. ride that high baby yeah um so <laughs> sorry still riding that high bitch uh, thank you um nancy's back yeah i know we talked about this earlier heather langenkamp was coming back into this film um and and her father ended yeah. up coming back as well which was great and the pretty much the only direct sequel yeah um and yeah nancy nancy's back and she is working in dream-based psychology which, which makes complete sense, sense. Yeah. yeah yeah and i thought it was really interesting having her back um and being this sort of figure who has had experience with dealing with freddy because mm. that was part of the interest with the second film was you had a whole new group of people trying to figure out mm. how to deal with mm. freddy and also freddy behaved a bit differently in that one but but still there was interest in going how will, will we have another nancy will we have somebody else that works it out mm. And then for this third film, she's back and she has the experience. Yeah. And how much that helps, but also how powerless she still is. Yeah. Because Freddy is such an all-powerful entity in, in mm. this in this setting. She can help guide the... Mm. I was almost going to say the next generation, but it's oh. supposed to be of the same generation. Well, she's uh, a few years of, older. Yeah. Like this, they're all... The, 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 the tie that mm. binds them all together is they're all the children of the people that murdered Freddy. Yeah. And in later movies especially after this one, I guess, it became like Freddy was just trying to kill all children in Elm Street. Mm. And uh, spoilers for later films, I think by Freddy's Dead, there's this whole thing where there's like no children in Elm Street because like no parents with families are like living there and so on. Fair enough. So it's like, you know, (laughs) they do kind of, someone kind of cottons on. It's like maybe having children in this area, not a good idea. They seem to keep dying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- I thought having her back was was really great. I mm. thought it was a really interesting idea, and I also really like. And again, we've we've spoiled a lot of the film. But uh, if you have not actually watched it, maybe maybe take a pause now, champ. Go go watch it. <laughs> well, it's almost forty years old, so uh... okay. Yeah. Well, well, you're back. Great. Um, Nancy dies. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> 
She got straight up. She 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 pretty got fingered. She got, <laughs> she she got stabbed in the guts by his knife hands, and yeah, yeah it was probably the only time he does an actual direct kill with the knives. Yeah, but it makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was great, and also the fact that she then made him stab himself was yeah. really, was really satisfying. Um, but yeah, they they killed her off, and I thought mm-hmm. that was that was it was a good arc. It was great, but I kept expecting her. To turn up at that funeral, that it was going to be somebody else's funeral, or like you know the gloved hand coming out of the grave, like yeah, like, bursting through, or something, something like, like that. that. She, yeah, she gets in the hearse and it's got red and green stripes on, or something <laughs> like you know, Oh, that yeah. would have been amazing. Something like that, but now they just straight up, she's dead. And yeah. I, I love it when films do that when mm. when people just die. Mm. Yeah, like or like main characters who you think there's going to be. Yeah, and then it feels uh, less impactful when they come back, and you're like, oh, like, okay. Mm. When they just die, and then you're like, excellent. That was a really nice arc, and it just it fit really well. Mm. well in the first movie, it's implied that she was going to die because of the her. In, it's implied that she's in a dream, driving around the car, and she's going to get killed, and it turns out the mother is the one that um, gets sucked through the window. Gets, uh, yes, which is a great <laughs> ending. But there's an implication there, and because it's not an on-screen death. It's easy to do, but it is good. And, you know, for a young actress, you know, she does a good job and she's very mm. empathetic and and a great audience surrogate to relate to the other characters. So. Yeah, and the performances in this film are pretty good across the board. Yeah. Uh, obviously, baby Patricia Arquette. Yeah. This is her first feature film mm-hmm. uh, as, as Kristen, who's sort of our new Nancy, as yeah. it were, our, our new uh, young lead. Um, yeah, she's, she's she's great. Definitely the um, or at least a deutagonist with Nancy, but mm. in many ways, like I would say, like Nancy's the point of view character, and she's the p- protagonist. Mm. Actually, I was going to say as well. I do really like they didn't bring back a character as the the main character. Mm. Yeah, they're 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 there and they help tell the story, but they're yeah. not the protagonist. I really like that. She's the Nick Fury of the uh, expanded Nightmare <laughs> universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the, I, I do think the casting was largely very good. Mm. A lot of the actors in this are really great. All the, all the actors for the yeah. the kids. I mean, they're young adults, basically. But yeah, mm. they're, they're all really just fantastic. Um, and good old Larry. And great yeah, Larry, Larry Fishburne. Yeah. <laughs> he, had, he had a bad time. I, I, wish, I wish we got more of him. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yes, a little shout out for our cameo appearances from Dick Cavett and Jar Jar Gabor. Just <laughs> wonderfully done. Just just a great idea to, oh, to integrate yeah. Freddy into the TV show and yeah. then become the television. Yeah, um, was oh. was just lovely. Um, yeah, there's just there's just a lot of really nice touches in this film. Hmm. Um, I really loved the. Let's talk special effects. That's oh, something we have yes. to get into. Because I was about to say, I really love the use of the stop motion for the um, yeah the uh, Harryhausen skeleton sequence yeah. and, uh, and the and the puppet. Uh, well, Freddy. yeah, that's what I want to know. Okay, yeah, the, the sculpture pop stop yeah. motion. There's a lot of really good uh, pra- basically. Oh, it's all practical yeah. effects because there's no CGI. And do, do, all the effects are amazing. Do you have a favorite effect? That's the oh, thing because um, the one that jumps to mind for me puppet is one of the is best the, ones is, is the um, is the artery puppet strings for um, Philip. Oh, that was creepy as hell. Yeah, that that one hurt to watch. Yeah, yeah. having having like his his veins being pulled out of him. I, to I use love the wheelchair prop. That's a great. Yeah, and the way it spins really quick. And it's also because it's very much it's shot in shadow, so mm. it's like it's very like much a silhouetted object which just invokes all that danger. Yeah, and it's like. Wow, it it is cinematography, uh, and phenomenally well shot film as well. Like, mm. it's a it's an incredibly well crafted film. Like, just as a film, yeah. 
Uh, I, Dawson? I, I think I really I really enjoyed that one, the the, the veins. Especially, yeah. I don't know what it was about the feet. You could see the skin like yes. opening up. and mm. Mm. You can get the feel like literally uh, Being Freddy pulled. has taken like the tendons yeah. from the yeah. entire body. And it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if anyone's a little bit squeamish. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I also really enjoyed that that first one I think when I mentioned it uh, where the they're in the room and it's like the wall is being pulled apart yes the that was yeah. so good and just, then the carpet starts coming up and like yeah. yeah and then we get Snake Freddy jumping out and yeah oh Snake her. Freddy yeah, <sighs> yeah. creepy um, as hell are we going to talk about the pig or shall we just leave that uh, there's, there's, <laughs> a pig. there's there's a pig it's going to come up in the trivia but yeah. uh, there's a pig corpse puppet which <laughs> uh, was, yeah. was a real pig um, re- a real dead pig that uh, was was meant to be for somebody spit roast and ended up being part of this uh, film history instead. Um, <laughs> but yes, we will get to the pig corpse a little later on. Um, but yeah, the, the stop motion for the skeleton was mm. great. I thought the whole of mirrors sequence was really yes. good. The, 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 the little like rotoscoping they did to show people being pulled into that the mirrors. Was so good. Um, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 tongues, the tongues that tie oh, Joey yeah. to the bed, which I thought as well was a great metaphor because yeah, not being able to speak and mm. then it's tongues that are the things that yeah. Like, yeah. it's always the nightmares yeah. that and are then coming back it's it, great and gets, symbology and yeah. then it gets finished off by freddie doing a pun where he goes little tongue-tied buddy like it's just like yeah. he's he's it, it's really well considered um also the first film in the series where we get uh not only side boob but front boob yeah. uh, yes uh, that was that actually took me by surprise i was like oh Yes. I honestly forgot it, but I guess it's also the fact of you know it's the great mm. enticement for a young adolescent, young yeah. male. And, so and again, like... really great foreshadowed where you can yeah. see he's like he thinks one of the nurses is attractive, mm. but obviously she's a professional. She's mm. she's just doing her, her job, but then he has that that um, childish, yeah, yeah, adolescent fantasy yeah. of like oh the, the the slightly older woman who's who's sexiness, sexy, yes. and she's in a you know a nurse outfit, and obviously the sexy Hello? nurse. Nurse. Thank you. Yeah, uh, someone had to do it. Yes, um, but I thought that the performance from that nurse actor, like playing into the yeah. playing into the like the fantasy of Joey, and then immediately turning and, on a dime and, and being she Freddy. turning Freddy. Yeah, it was like oh my god. Yeah, like that was absolutely sensational. Yeah, um, yeah. and you made a joke about is this where we're going to get our Freddy tongue, and then four <laughs> Freddy tongues yeah. came out and tied I, him down I, to the I, bed. I was so I was trying so hard not to say anything because I was like, yeah. I know where this is going. But again, really effective. Just like really, really well done. Um, like it's schlocky, but it's fun, but mm. it's shocking and it's scary. Like mm. there is a really good balance of all mm. of those things throughout this film. Um, and yeah, it's it's good fun. He he ends up um, being killed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, because uh, the burial rites are completed, mm-hmm. the holy water is administered. The power of, compi- yeah. the power of Christ compels him. Yep. Yes, and so um, and we also find out the backstory that um, and I wrote down the phrase because it's oh, such yes. an interesting child of a hundred. Uh, Freddy's Freddy's origins as the bastard son of a thousand maniacs. That's yeah, the one um, which was like oof, rough, uh, dark. But also so fitting for like the genre, so mm-hmm. fitting and, for and the character for the character, yeah. and like it, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's the right cheese for this particular genre. Yeah, um, and the whole thing of the nun turning out to be Freddie's mother, um, yeah. who um, you know was was advising Doctor Neil throughout the mm-hmm. film, and only he ever saw her. Yeah, was like just a fun little side mystery yeah. um, to to this whole thing. 
and just worked really well. It, well it, I, it, it, it feels like it worked better than it should have. I just realised that the dream, for, the, the dream magic runs in the family, mm. which is spoilers for number six. Spoilers for number movies, six. A couple of movies down the road. You meet Freddy's granddad or something? <laughs> All the way down. Oh, uh, ooh. ooh. Um, I, on the note of fun, though, I, I do think this film towed the line really nicely between fun and and scary like we were saying before mm. those just there's so many fun one-liners that came in at just the right time and then it sometimes and goes to such dark places yeah mm. but then it's just again like a little bit silly like there's some mm. um, there's the little D campaign <laughs> and when he turns into a wizard he looks like you know, it Dracula, looks like Dracula. Big, mm. uh, collar, and then he says, "Like by the power of something else, yeah. like grab Thar's hammer." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Oh, this is like it's just silly," but then it immediately swaps to. I feel Ooh. like it's the opposite of what uh, I think films like Guardians of the Galaxy do, where they have a really serious moment, and then undercut it with humor. Yeah, with this they have the humor, and then they're like, "Oh, but guess what? We're also really dark." We're gonna yeah. undercut it with it, extreme violence. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's deliberate whiplash. It's mm. Which is great, and I'm 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 all here for it being that way around the comedy first, then mm. the the darkness afterwards. I think mm. it works really really well. Yeah, and Freddy is uh, no more. Well, or is, is he? he? We know obviously not because there's at least four more films. Um, but, um, <laughs> yes, uh, Neil is um, you know he's he's asleep. He's he's resting peacefully, which is not something we often see for characters in this. I was going to say he's technically nine, but yeah, oh, he's got the little um, sorry, no, he's got the little doll from um, Nancy's house. Yeah, and then we've got the little pop stick yeah. house, and then just a little light comes <laughs> oh, and it's like so oh, good. just no. a perfect amount of foreshadowing. Yeah, like, not a giant bus running down the road <laughs> yeah. out of control. Like it's just like. A, a, a green and red striped bus. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you can get that feeling from just a light flicking on from a mm. dollhouse, like, mm. good, good work. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, I do have one more thing oh, yes? before we move on. Yeah. And that was that I really enjoyed... We're talking about there being a bigger budget for this one yeah. and mm-hmm. why that might be the reason why, but just seeing more of Freddy's face. Yes. Mm. Like, the just get full-on so views, mm. him without his hat, just his entire face, close-ups... Mm. Worm Freddy face, like it's just really nice seeing mm. him mm. close up, full on, mm. not hiding in the shadows. When he's in Kristen's dream, where we have the repeat of the mum uh, telling her to go to bed, yes. and he's playing the 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 man she's brought home, and he's like cut off her head, and then she's still complaining. But you actually see a lot of his of his head because mm, he's yeah. just in normal clothing. The yeah, hat's it was not actually a full him. head prosthetic as yeah. opposed to like a partial or something like that. Yeah, and look great. I I really really enjoyed that. Because yeah. uh, I, I feel like in a lot of horror slashes, it's always hiding in the shadows. And it kind of was with Freddy in the past too as well. Mm. But it works for the genre sometimes hiding the shadows. It, it hides budgetary... Defi- uh, and sometimes it amps up the horrors. Your, mm. It's your brain filling in the imagine- the, 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 the Your brain does a lot of the hard work when, it, when a figure is mm. hiding in the shadow. And sometimes that can make you more scared. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I so, feel like but that it, doesn't... In the case of a movie like this, having Freddy fall frontal and mm. on the screen is supposed to be impactful. And particularly yeah. because he's somewhat humorous. Yeah. Like, you, 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 it works. he's a character. I mean, he's not a, a trope. He is arguably, like, the halfway point between Michael Myers in Halloween mm. and Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice. Like, if you're looking yeah. at, like, those yeah. those being, like, two ends of, like, a stylistic 
quality well, if, spectrum. If anything, you can, you can extrapolate Beetlejuice yeah. from Freddy Krueger. Probably, yeah. And But, like, it's important that we do see him at times. But then he gets his scary moments, like yeah. when he's standing down the corridor backlit when Will's wheelchair is there. Yeah. Or when he's, like, rubbing his claws against the boiler plate and yeah. things like that. But I just... Because I just don't think you can have someone from the shadows saying lines like, uh, what was it? Welcome to primetime, bitch. bitch yeah. Or like the... <laughs> All the puns. Yeah, like the tongue tight. Like you can't have someone like hiding away in the yeah. shadows or who has been hiding away in the shadows for the whole film say lines like that. Like it, mm. that wouldn't fly because you're like, who is this mysterious person making these terrible really jokes. terrible jokes? <laughs> I, I, he sounds like a Batman <gasps> villain. A little bit, yeah. I'd, I'd see Freddy fight Batman. That'd be, that'd be good fun. <laughs> I mean, we, we'd be revisiting that alleyway. For, for <laughs> oh, yeah. That's essentially Scarecrow uh, mm. in the Batman yeah, mythology. That's a good point. Yeah, he is basically Scarecrow. There'd just be lots of bats and mm. yeah, those alleyways. Yeah, a lot of pearl necklaces yeah. falling oh, on the floor. <laughs> would you like some trivia about Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors? I would love nothing more. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm here for the trivia. Okay, all of this trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. The first piece of trivia that we have for your enjoyment today is that Ken Sagoas, who plays Kincaid, uh, stated in an interview he really didn't want to audition for that role, but his agent talked him into going. On the day of the audition, he had to walk in heavy rain to catch a bus to the location. He showed up completely drenched and had to sit and wait for a few hours due to the auditions running late. When it was his turn, the director Chuck Russell told him, do whatever you want to do for the audition. Sagoas actually before we get to what he did Dawson you are um, in the performing arts you you audition frequently for things Um, and you were pulling quite the pained face as I detailed that Um, I I'm I'm not an actor and I think I know enough about the audition process from like cultural osmosis and mostly Will Wheaton's autobiography but so I know the pain that I'm seeing right now yeah would you like to explain why that's so frustrating Dawson yeah, you know what? I would. <laughs> go on. Um, go off I mean, for the first, like, just having to wait. Uh, going to something you don't want to do to go to, you're already feeling bad. Having mm. to trudge through rain, <laughs> sitting, like, waiting rooms for auditions are just the worst. Mm. Sitting there soaking wet for hours. Like, you're already in this space of, like, what am I doing? Like, I didn't want to be here. And this is the worst. And then going into an audition room and then a director being like, do whatever you want. I'd be like, no. <laughs> No, no. I came here. I waited. I walked through rain to be here. You're the director. You tell me what you want me to do. Mm. Like, I would be holding my hands in fists in my pockets, doing like the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. I, would, I think that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be going, yeah, you should go off. Well, Sagoas... Uh, was also frustrated. I can imagine he was. He was so frustrated and mad about the whole ordeal that he just yelled, Fuck you! And then proceeded to scream and cuss out Russell. Russell immediately hired him. Wow. (laughs) So it actually worked out. And, you know, because Kincaid's got great lines, you know, like, oh, "Oh, great, now it's my dick that's killing me. He's got some of the best lines that's not Freddy's. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and including my favourite, uh, let's go kick the motherfucker's ass all over Dreamland. Like, it's just... Brilliant. Just, yeah, he, he had such a great attitude for... for like, that group needed that mm. dynamic mm-hmm. of, like, somebody who's like, 
oh, let, let's just go fight this bastard kind and, of thing. And not the, um, like, scary movie, black guy. I was just thinking more just then for a second. Not another team movie with the guy just there going, damn, shit, mm. that's whack. Yeah, no, he did, yeah, he's... Well, he is but, a really good character. Yeah, he's, and, and yeah, but he, like a lot of, what I think, what the other actors did in this film, just drawing on their own background and experience and like mm. it, everyone felt very naturalistic yeah and like just the fact that he is someone that would go to the director man fuck you <laughs> like i i'm so glad that the director went mm. that's what we need i might keep that in mind if uh, that ever happens to me in the future I, I look forward to hearing you not get a job because <laughs> you swore out but that director. might also be the most cathartic way to never get a job oh god i mean yeah mm. i don't know how i would feel if if that exact situation happened to me mm. i like waiting for hours just to have a director be like, do whatever you want. Like, no, no, man, no. According to Wes Craven, he decided early on that there had to be a group of people fighting Freddy in this film because the souls of his previous victims had made him too strong for one person alone. Ooh, I like. Oh, we had that, the reveal. Yeah, there was that really cool scene of him yeah. ripping open his shirt. Then he was the absorb love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just all the faces under from, the skin. From Clom. Uh, Clom. Yeah, the, who'd the, want Clom? Yeah, the sister planet of Rexacoricophalopatorius. Yes. Yes. Good. Damn. <laughs> I mean, why am I, why am I surprised? He is Dr. Stephen Platt after all. Mm. Hang on, I'm just got, I'm just going to get the prop out for you. Sure you don't want this? Uh, we're, we're dangerously turning into a Doctor Who podcast. So let's <laughs> back that one You've up. You've got both of us on here. It's dangerously close. <laughs> that, that's true. That's I'm, true. I'm constantly staring at TARDIS mugs. Yeah. There is a TARDIS about two feet behind you in the back. In the, I was going to say, garden. is it still outside? It's still out there, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't like science fiction. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, so that was the idea. The idea for the mental hospital treating the dream warriors was not a riff off One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which some people thought, but was inspired by real-life establishments. Uh, mm. Craven said, quote, At that time, there was kind of a movement of such places that even advertised on television, send your troubled child and we'll make them okay. And essentially, they're all like prisons or insane asylums, end quote. Yeah, the other movie that just came to mind, roughly the same era, um, Wizard, uh, not Wizard of Oz, um... Return to Return Oz. Return to Oz, yeah. And like the whole idea of like, uh, oh, we'll just use electroconvulsive shock therapy. That solves everything. Mm. And if not, there's always the lobotomy. Yes. They go in through the nose and you get to keep the piece of bread they take out. Mm. Simpsons reference. Yes. So yeah, they um, yeah they, they were riffing on that, uh, yeah. which was, you know, I think it was effective. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. Uh, for one week during filming, Robert Englund was working... 24 hours every day. He was not actually sleeping, rather appropriately. <laughs> uh, because by day, he was wrapping up filming on the television series Downtown that he was working on. And oh, then wow. he would report in to film for Dream Warriors, 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 Warriors at nighttime. <laughs> didn't even give me a chance. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's built in now. But yeah, he, he for a week, just didn't sleep. Yeah, but I want to see the movie Dreamtime Warriors, Warriors, Warriors in the nighttime, though. Mm. That's, that's crazy, though, that mm. he didn't. That he was working on those two and just that happens sleep. a lot. That's, yeah, I mean, it's happened a few times. Yeah, Michael J. Fox is the famous example yes. for Back to the Future. Family and, ties. Um, yeah, Family Ties. So he was doing daytime TV and nighttime film shoots. <sighs> Crazy. And just not sleeping in between. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is nuts. For the dream sequence in which Dick Cavett interviews um, Zsa Zsa Gabor and then it's interrupted <laughs> by Freddy Krueger, um, Sally Kellerman was originally 
going to be the guest that they wrote into the script. But Dick Cavett was allowed to pick the person he'd be interviewing. So they just wrote in um, mm. Sally Kellerman going, we can probably get her, but let's see who Dick wants to interview. <laughs> he picked Zsa Zsa Gabor because he thought she was the dumbest person he'd ever met <laughs> in his life. And he would have Jeez. never had her on his show for real. So oh, if God. there was one person he wanted to get, he wanted to see get killed by Freddy, it would be her. <laughs> wow. And Wow. To have someone actually just straight up say that mm. in an interview. Well, Jaja, wow. I mean, she, she was an actress, but I, I remember her mostly culturally as just like being just flamboyant. She was. Like, that yeah. was just a personality. It was just flamboyant. Yeah, and obviously that rubbed some people up the wrong way, including yeah. Dick Cavett. And I <laughs> love the fact he went, oh, who do I want to see get murdered? Uh Zsa Gabor, please. <laughs> who would I never have on my show and who do I want to see murdered? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well done, Dick Cavett. That is uh, certainly uh, nominative determinism. That was a dick move. Yeah. So, well done. Very blunt. Very, yep. Hmm. Uh, Robert Englund admits that he knew Patricia Arquette was going to go on to be a big star from very early on working in this film. Hmm. He also explained how most of the guys on the set were basically head over and heels in love with her because she was so lovely. Uh, between takes, some of them would even go to England to get his advice on whether or not they he thought they had a chance with her and should ask her out. And I just love the idea of like maybe some of these younger actors going up to a guy in Freddy Krueger makeup <laughs> and going, gee, can you help me? I think she's really pretty. Should I ask her out? And him going, uh, maybe get to know her first, bitch, or you know, whatever it is that he would have no, said. No, I'm just imagining like Robert England being the most wholesomest, wholesome man on the mm. pro- on the planet, like being very soft-spoken, mm. being very gentle, giving really good fatherly advice while looking that horrendous. Yeah, while well, like drumming his fingers on the table and he goes clack, 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 clack. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the idea of him giving, you know, really wholesome, nice advice as well <laughs> while looking like that. And then just the the person asking having very mixed yeah, feelings like, going on. Mm. What's happening in my brain? <laughs> mm. Uh, this film is the first writing credit for the Oscar-nominated writer and director Frank Darabont. Oh. Now, Frank Darabont is probably best known more for his directing work these days because he directed a little film called The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. A little film. A little, little film, yeah. Little. And okay. also The Green Mile. A lot of Stephen King adaptations he, he directed. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, this was his And first... a cameo by Christine. Indeed. Yes, as the, as the car with the spoiler. Yeah. It was, it was good stuff. Kristen comes across a classic nightmarish image of a roasted pig on a table in her in one of her nightmares, and it comes to life and growls at her. Uh, this was an actual roasted pig. They let it spoil, and then prop guys puppeted it from beneath. The guy who was behind the camera was the cinematographer Roy Wagner. He claims that the pig stench was so overwhelming he can still smell it to this day. Wow. <sighs> Under, under film lights, that would have just yeah, not been not a good been smell. Pleasant. Yeah. yeah, studios are not cold places. Oh, no. no. Uh, it looked gross. Uh, so well mm. done. But thank goodness we cannot get the smells from films coming through. Yeah, jeez. And thank goodness we have uh, other ways to do that now mm. than... Yeah. I know we, we bash CGI a little bit, but... Uh, yeah. Sometimes it works in our favour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In interviews with the cast and crew in the DVD commentary, it was revealed that the original idea for the film centred around the phenomenon of children travelling to specific locations to commit suicide, with dreams of Freddy Krueger eventually being discovered to be the common link. Oh, wow. Uh, At the time, and 
still today, uh, teen suicide was a taboo social issue. And this mm. led to the abandonment of that storyline, although some aspects remained within the film version, which depicts suicide and self-mutilation. Mm. Uh, this was deemed less controversial because these acts are committed with Freddy's distinct influence, inserting mm. enough fantasy into the acts to remove them from the supposed controversial exploitation of disturbed youths. Yeah, it's a difference between a suicide by a person and we know that they are being controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can, we can literally it's abstract, see it's abstract enough. Yeah. yeah. We can literally see him holding the, the strings oh, yeah. of the person he's about to kill. Like yeah. It's, it's not, it's just the, the nurses who think that it was suicide, but yeah. everyone else and us. Know yeah. That and it's... that makes it kind of more horrific as well. Yeah. Especially when they start dismissing, oh, you know, the stuff that comes, yeah. we've talked about it's, earlier. Look, it's a, it's a, it's a dicey area to be dealing with. My feeling is that the film does a pretty good job, given that it is primarily a horror film. Mm. It's not a film about uh, mental health and young people. Yeah. It. Yeah. I. But but also I'm not a mental health expert, uh, yeah. nor was I a teenager who went through mental health issues of that level. So, yeah. I I can only speak to it as a bit of an outside observer. Going, it it didn't feel disrespectful. No, it, it feels like to me. It feels like, again, not being a mental health professional or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, put that in first. Yeah. Uh, it feels like, again, because we know that it's not suicide or uh, like people just... like Because she does cut her wrist in, in yeah. that, one of those first scenes. Um, but it's the people who call it suicide are the bad characters. And that's not to say that they are calling suicide bad or like they're not... They're just not romanticizing it. They're not calling it, uh, but they are calling it things like um, them being like a, a coward and stuff, which makes yeah. us huh. dislike them yeah. more. It, it's a complicated line for a film like this to walk. And my feeling at the end of it is they could have really messed that up a lot more. I, I feel like the way that they did it works, but with caveats. Okay. Um, sorry, I just realized this as soon as you said that. Mm. None of the teenagers ever ever express suicidal ideation no. they never talk yeah. about if anything they're petrified when they're being given the prospect of giving sleep because they they know instinctively they're going to die mm. so which if you think about it and again i said i work in a mental health clinic you know i i only play a doctor on tv mm. um is very count when you think about it that's counterintuitive mm. like why are people who are so literally deathly afraid of mm. falling to sleep because of their nightmares might kill them would commit suicide on the surface it's it's just them trying to wallpaper over a bad situation yeah. it in and everyone everyone who we care about i should say knows it's complete bullshit mm. and that's why i think it works so effectively because yeah. we as the audience know it's, it's not right it's not true the characters know it's not true so it's mm. definitely one of those things where nobody wants to commit suicide we know this mm. so it's not a matter of these are disturbed teenagers who don't know we know that this is mm. not a thing and suicidal ideation is a thing you have to be careful of yeah. like um i have had my own mental traumas and that's why i'm speaking for those years mm. i have not had suicidal ideation mm. i've had pretty bad mental demons but but being not, open about it yeah. here just as context but i've never wanted that mm. So seeing the kids go through that and being told, oh, no, I just committed suicide. It's like, 
no, you yeah. are very bad at your job <laughs> and yeah. you should never be in this industry ever again. But yeah. this was the Hand in your gun and your badge, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, well, that happened twice in the movie. It did, it did. I was, yeah, it was, it was that's the way that goes. Um, in the final shooting script, one of the warriors uh, was was going to dream up a giant Transformers-style <laughs> robot <laughs> what? to fight Freddy. <laughs> The sequence even made it to the storyboard stage. Oh my god! But uh, budgetary constraints made filming no. it impossible. Oh my god! I, just I am, I am furious. <laughs> no, my that god. that is not in the film. Just no, but you got to think about it. Just think of like, um, like all the kaiju movies of like Japan. Like the technology technically was there. You just got to basically cardboard box the city kind of thing. Mm. And oh my god! I am, I am so mad. That's not in there. Oh, that would have been amazing. Oh my god, Freddy versus Mecha. Would be... yeah. Oh. yeah, Freddy versus Mothra is what I want to yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing it as like um like a Voltron kind of thing where yeah. all of the warriors join together to make it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, no, no, no. Let's just put it out there. It's Power Rangers. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's Power Rangers. Because they're people. Yeah. Bro, my pretties. I know Voltron had parts and stuff like that, but yeah. the whole thing of like them combining and all that, yeah, is oh, Power Rangers. What? Oh, I'm so mad now. I want to see that real bad. <laughs> go, go, Dream Warriors. Yeah. It doesn't have the same ring. Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. Um, it is a known fact that the Freddy glove was stolen from the set. Mm. Uh, Chuck Russell, uh, the director, gave a recent interview and provided a little more explanation uh, as to the circumstances of how it was stolen. Apparently, two hardcore Freddy fans <laughs> snuck into the set and disguised themselves as movie grips. Nobody had noticed the two throughout the day, and while on break, they grabbed the Freddy glove and left when no one was looking. Now, this glove has turned up in the Evil Dead films uh, on the wall and then was missing for a period of time mm. before it reappeared at an auction in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so... I do have some Freddy glove trivia. Freddy glove unless trivia? You, unless you've got some more to go on. I have one more piece of trivia, but let's go to the glove. So, one of the interesting things about the glove is the actual knives themselves. They actually have this really distinct shape. You mm. might not... They don't look like a knife blade as you normally would mm. probably see in the kitchen. They have this very distinct curve. Do you know the reason why that is? I don't, but could you please tell I me? I feel like you're going to tell me, and I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> the actual blades were made from butter knives. Oh, really? They were actually butter knives. So if you think of a butter knife mm. shape, it basically just cut in the inside, uh, like, like that rounded stone, and it basically put the cut so made to make it look more like a claw. Because oh. the first ones were, like, you know, metal. Like yeah. The first one was made was metal. Of course, they've made stunt ones and stuff like that. So, and, yeah, so it's just, like, uh, you know, copper and metal soldered together and, you know, sharpened. So like, and they were actually butter knives. Oh. So a little bit of an interesting tribute. And that's how they got that iconic shape. Wow. Butter knives. Yeah. yeah. Ne- never would have thought butter yeah. knives for Freddy Krueger. I'm looking at two confounded faces and it's like, yeah, I'm glad I remembered yeah. that one. I could just say they were good for spreading violence. Yeah. <laughs> You're just trying to butter me up now, aren't you? <laughs> okay, the final piece of trivia. Uh, it's a piece of Australian trivia Ooh. to do with this film. So, uh, good day, everyone. Uh, even though Dream Warriors was rated M15 in other states in Australia, it was banned in Queensland. <laughs> of course it was. By the then Bielke-Peterson government. He banned everything. Due to its drug content. Uh, yeah. Which there is was irony. not... The, the, the drug addict with the needles. I was going to say, but there wasn't that... Like, it was barely... It oh, the, sorry, the crack fox... 
Yeah, the crack fox thing is that um, that, that yeah. Freddie had. Yeah, for any Mighty Boosh fans yeah. out there, there was definitely a. Uh, <laughs> that's where crack fox came from. Yeah. Freddie yeah. with literal needles on his fingertips. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and also the fact that yeah, you know, there are mental health uh, like sedatives used in this film, uh, which. I'm not sure where the, the Queensland government the day stood on them, but yeah, uh, because of its drug content. In 1990, the Queensland Film Board of Review was abolished by the then-premier Wayne Goss, and the film was no longer banned. But yes, for a three-year period, uh, for the first three years, you could not watch this film in Queensland because of them drugs. Sorry, the other one that famously comes to mind about banned in Queensland is Peter Jackson's first ever movie, Bad Taste. Oh, yeah? Also banned in Queensland. There was a lot of those, um, like... Uh, Video, uh, what video, video nasties, yes. Yeah. Like, not just in England, but yeah, band were mostly in Queensland. Mm. What what happens if you watch a band film? Like, I'm just imagining cops kicking down your door with you watching you Freddy Krueger. You never watch a band film. Mm. You wouldn't download a band <laughs> film. Oh, I absolutely would. <laughs> it, it's more of an issue for either distributors or cinema yeah. chains. Yeah. That, that's why the ban is in effect. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, yeah, it's more the punishment would be for... Would be for the people selling it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. But um, it's still like, just like people, it's like anything. As soon as you ban something, people are like, but how do I get it then? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I will it's get the, it. It's yeah. the Streisand effect, yes. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen that with a lot of things. Obviously, in Australian media in the last 20 years, the big mm. thing was uh, violent video games or video games that depicted drug use. Yeah. Uh, Left 4 Dead 2 was not available here for a period of time because yeah. it some of the, the, the health boosts or things yeah, like that um, in the game were. Fallout. Three drugs, yeah. Fallout Three with the vats, because um, it had um, the um, oh god, it had morphine as one yes, of the uh, that's right. uh, things, and they had to call it like Medex. Yeah, they changed it because yeah, you, you had the anti-radiation drugs. Yeah, yeah. But because they were depicted as being injected, yeah, um, yeah, could, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we had very yeah. very strict video game laws. Well, that's why Fallout Three. <laughs> they they eventually changed around about the 2010 period, um, mm. so that the video game classification was changed so that there were ratings that meant you could get these video games in even if they were mm. R18 rated they were still yeah. in and sometimes even then though sometimes they requested changes to like drug content oh, yeah. it, it makes sense that I haven't heard of it because I feel like I got into gaming more after 2010 period so mm. that makes sense why I just a lot of se- a lot of censorship boards tend to almost start off like very draconian and like very restrictive and mm. it's only after after time and market gets, demand as and well market demand, mm. yeah, yeah where they start to get lax and a lot of the stuff they banned are very low-hanging fruit i mean yeah like some of the video nasty stuff there was things like cannibal holocaust which definitely should have been banned Did you say mm. cannibal holocaust yes yeah, like mm. one of the most infamous uh, video nasty we movies. reviewed it last year uh, episode 298 <laughs> i need to look that up jeez no you don't you, no no sorry not yeah. what <laughs> look it up do a little bit of research because yeah. that sounds well okay not so good. one of the, the infamous the, things yeah. about cannibal holocaust is that they were um the filmmakers were tried for murder because the film, the the courts thought they actually killed people until they actually brought in all the actors and actresses to say, um, how could we have killed all oh these people? Oh my gosh, that's yeah. wild. Honestly, episode 298, download it, listen to it on the way home. We Because uh, we we really went deep on that one. Uh, it's I, wild. I wouldn't recommend watching the film. No, <laughs> no I don't want to. But, but like I said, I want to look it up, but yeah. not It not was a movie it. deliberately made to... Mm. Provoke. Provoke, yeah. yeah. And provoke it did. I feel we've wandered a little away from Elm Street. Um, so <laughs> now that we've finished our trivia, let's let's wander back to Elm Street one final time for this uh, trilogy section because we have to give a score oh, to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Warriors, 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 Warriors. 
and Dawson, times. this was your first time watching uh, it was. The, the third film. What would you give it out of 10? I, I, I don't know. I kind of want to give it... Because I'm still, I'm still debating if I like the first one or this one more. So I feel like I should give it the same score for now. Mm, yeah. Because I'm not... There were certain bits I liked more, certain bits I liked a little bit less. Like, meh, meh. So I feel like the same score, which I believe was... Was it 8.75? That was the score. <laughs> Very well remembered. Eight, I mean, I think only because you said it earlier today, otherwise yeah. I wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> um, 8.75 uh, Warrior Echoes. You have to cut off that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, editing, Stephen, you've got to make sure you get that 7.75% and smack on. Oh, yeah, if you, if you don't get it, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, but which 0.75%? That's what I raise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so as good as the first one. I, I, I think so. At mm. least, yeah, uh, at least very close to, if not better. But I, I, again, it's, I was saying earlier, and like I said in the first, for the first one, I... I like to, with older movies like this, I like to think of myself, like, would I enjoy this if I watched it in the time that it was created? Yeah. Uh, and then compare that to, like, how I feel about watching it now. But like the first one, I don't need to do that because I just genuinely enjoyed watching it now. Yeah. Mm. Like, it was it was a good film. It held my attention. It was funny. It was, like, it's again, It's perfect genuinely... for, like, a teenage, like, slumber party audience kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, just, mm, and, like, scenes fun. like the, the, the puppet pulling tendon thing was just like that was genuinely creepy and weird yeah like it's it's a good a good film mm. okay simon what about you <sighs> i didn't know we could do 7.5 so I mean, dawson's blowing this whole story <laughs> <system>. 0.75 <laughs> I, no um no i i totally agree i think it's probably because like um i have seen like the entire series and i'm probably judging on a curve compared to like a lot of other things a lot of horror and a lot of cinema it's uh i don't think i can rate it as high which is a shame but mm. uh it's it's definitely the best one of the series uh i'm gonna give it um eight uh tongues on bedposts mm. <laughs> you just gotta figure out where the other four go uh, ooh, well, no, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I I really enjoyed this one. I I I feel pretty similar to you, Dawson. I feel this is like right on a par with that first one. It, it's a better made film than mm. the first one, mm-hmm. but the first one's got a lot of like really great. There's the I was more tense in mm. the first one than this one. It's more of a classic. Horror. Yeah, um, this this one. I, I love the fact that they've got these this gang together, the dream warriors, mm. warriors, warriors, warriors doing their stuff together. Um, but, but at the same time it does, I, I didn't feel as trepidatious for the characters as I did in the first one. And, and Nancy gets killed in this one. And I, yeah, like, it, it, it is, it Don't is worry, remarkable. She gets better with new nightmare. Oh, oh, that's okay then. Which is technically a reboot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, I think I am probably in a similar boat where I would give it the, the same score as I gave the first one. Um, so I'm going to give it eight, um, Jar Jar Gabor cameos out of ten. Um, <laughs> eight spiteful Jar Jar Gabor cameos. It's it's really it's really strong. They're both really really strong mm. films. I, I feel like I know and I know I'm gonna get let down continuing. Um, but like it's I'm sorry. I, I enjoyed these ones that much mm. that I I think I am going to take. I think it was Shane's advice mm. and just watch the rest of them because they yeah. are all only. An hour and a half or less. Yeah. yeah. I'm already up to number three. Mm. The, the cheesiest one is five. 
I'll be honest. <laughs> the, the, like the cheesiest, dumbest one is five, and the other two, like uh, Freddy's Dead, is the supposed to be the last one, and uh, New Nightmare <laughs> is the, the new reboot. I said, but that was also the other one that was uh, Wes Craven mm. directly had input. Mm. And it was again, I call it the the pre screen, uh, the the screen prequel. Mm. You see a lot of that DNA uh, in New Nightmare if you watch see, uh, Scream. Hmm. But but yeah, if these movies can make me watch like an entire series, series. then mm. you you've done a good job. Even yeah. if I am let down by these two being the best, and then it just slowly trickling <laughs> downhill. <laughs> as much as I say the ones was worth, they're still a fun watch. Mm. Exactly. Like if it's Freddy being you weird, sw- Freddy, I'm, I'm you on. Switch board. off your brain and just go. Yeah, these are just dumb fun movies. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, that does bring us to an end of our Journeys into Elm Street, because this was a trilogy uh, that we were asked to provide. We have completed the trilogy requirement, but we may return to look at later films in the genre at a later date. And Dawson, mm. you might even be able to come on as our has-seen-it guest Ooh, and tell us, tell us what to expect. Um, but that is the end of our trilogy one uh, from... 2023 we have now completed all obligations for last year so i'm <laughs> very happy we've done that um uh simon and dawson thank you so much for joining me simon uh, thank you for uh joining us for the third leg of this adventure yeah no i'm happy to i i was quite stoked to actually guess the one of the three that i enjoyed the most so yeah wonderful and dawson thank you for joining me for the last three episodes <laughs> it's been it's been fun it definitely has been thanks for having me i i'm again don't think i would have watched nightmare on elm street for a while unless mm. doing this so opened my eyes to a whole new genre that mm. i didn't really think i was that mm. into but now maybe maybe maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay and for those of you listening at home thank you for joining us um we may do another trilogy later this year technically this was the 2023 trilogy films uh but as always there's a big old baby shaped asterisk over everything <laughs> we've got planned this year that's a really that was a really bad x-way i mean geez i don't know how you Mm. No, I know. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, sorry, op- ultrasound. But yeah, yeah, you got yeah the they, they were holding the wand wrong. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, we are. Um, we, we're still making episodes. You know, we've still got a little bit of time until baby o'clock. Um, but uh, and so, if you want to hear those episodes, uh, subscribe uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify to get new episodes up until the end of the third trimester, and then <laughs> beyond. Once we have gotten used to having a baby. Uh, we're gonna, we are going to take a couple of months off, uh, you know, to be responsible. When we, ins- when we install the sound, uh, baffling to get to drown out the crying. Yeah, of of me yeah. <laughs> crying. Yeah, going, yeah. Hey, well, yeah. Like, yeah. The baby's going to be fine. Yeah. But, but so make sure you subscribe because then you'll know when we come back. What yes. an excellent point, Dawson. Right? Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. Um, yes, so please do subscribe for new episodes as and when they arrive. We also have a Facebook page. You can get news and updates. You might even get a baby picture if you're lucky uh, down the line. <laughs> um, so everyone loves babies. So please go to the Facebook page. <laughs> Um, is this child exploitation if the child's not been born yet? I don't know. But uh, the point is, uh, Facebook, we do news and updates on the program. We may talk about my child. Who knows? And finally, um, we have the Patreon. Um, go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast for bonus features and goodies. There is new Patreon exclusive content going up in a couple of days time actually uh we've got some march exclusive content going up from our uh, sister program the cutting room floor and there are also plans for a couple of other unique and new patreon exclusives 
for the second half of the year. Ooh. That is all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, goodbye, bitch. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.